Welcome in to another week of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. This episode brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you will get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. Tim, kind of a bittersweet end. It feels like we have not jumped off the cliff, but we don't know when the next real live sports action is going to come. I mean, this past weekend, we had a little UFC. You had the the driving for coronavirus relief for yeah. the the golf tournament with Rory McIlroy, who has always struck me as a Jerry McNamara lookalike. And then, of <laughs> course, the finale of The Last Dance. And that's going to be the subject of this first segment here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. We'll get to that in just a second. We'll also talk some basketball recruiting, some Benny Williams, and the rest of the class of 2021, and then also some transfer talk. Good article on Syracuse.com from Donna Daitota about just the whole nature of this one-time transfer rule that we may or may not see pass in the coming months. But first, check us out online at LO underscore Syracuse. Again, this is the only place to get daily Syracuse podcasts. All right, so last dance. It's all in the past now, all in the rearview mirror. How quickly are you going to be to rewatch and and binge through all 10 again, Tim? Well, I got to tell you, I I might rewatch 9 and 10 tomorrow because, frankly, I I hate to say this, but I missed some parts in 9 and 10, and it was just a lot of commotion at my house today and a lot of people talking. So I couldn't get the full attention that I wanted. Now I still got to appreciate what I think were some of the better scenes where you had the Steve Kerr moments in nine that I really liked. And I was trying to think like, who is the Steve Kerr for Syracuse, the gritty role player who could hit that shot. And I I think we have to do some more thinking on that and maybe talk Hmm, about that. Maybe we'll store that for later in the week, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've got tons of time to try and really drag out this last dance thing because it was was a great sports day today. It was normal for once. I mean, I'm a huge golf fan, so that was something I was looking forward to from about 2 to 7. I'm locked into that. Kind of a fun, dramatic finish to that. For those that watch, you got to see Mike Tirico with some Syracuse gear in the background. Yep. He mm-hmm. had the distinct pleasure of interviewing Bill Murray and then Donald Trump in like the span of an hour, and that was fascinating. Yep, but, interesting combo. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Good to have a sporting event where we didn't know the outcome to, and it happened to be a fun outcome. And I'm on Twitter, and people were actually talking about a live event. And then you get you know, right into the last dance. So really kind of the most normal day sports viewing wise that I've had in a while where I looked forward to something like golf on Sunday afternoon. That's what I normally watch in the middle of May. And obviously the last dance is a little unique, but it's still appointment TV. So I enjoyed today because Twitter was kind of active and it just felt a little bit more normal than what we've been experiencing lately. And guess what, Tim? We went five for five, and, and you're probably wondering, what did we go five for five in? Yes, we never go five for five in anything. But we went five for five in the fact that, all right, we held off recording until after the last dance. Mm-hmm. All right, we went five for five on that, on predicting right. whether there will be big Syracuse moments. I think we only recorded before one episode of the last dance, and hilariously enough, that was the one where there really wasn't anything Syracuse. 
Yeah, that. we got lucky for once. And I believe that was the seven and eight, or maybe it was five and six. I can't even remember. But I know we yeah. went five for five because we got glimpses of SU in pretty much every episode. And what do you know? We wait until after on this episode, okay? And we get a little bit of Jasmine Jordan. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing when you talk about Syracuse lore and somewhat famous alums. Because first of all, for those who don't know, Michael Jordan's daughter did attend Syracuse. And I yeah, think it kind of goes under the radar. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's pretty crazy to me. That's one of the few Jordan things that I think slips through the cracks. Because you never really heard the stories about... Jordan slipping in and out of town. Now, who knows how much he really did it? Or, I mean, there, there were probably visits that he made where people did not know he was in town. And when you watch this documentary or docu-series, it's kind of crazy to fathom that. But from, from the way that I heard it, at least during the time I was on campus, it seemed like Syracuse was one of those places he could get in and out and really not get detected. Now, Jasmine... Interestingly enough, of course, is very well known now as being. I'm not sure if she's officially married or, or yeah, still I, fiance with. I was going to ask Rakeem you, Christmas, but I've heard I, fiance I know, yeah, for a while. The, I, I don't the, know the exact, but yeah. And and they also they they do have a kid coming too. So Michael Jordan yep. will be a grandfather to the child of Rakeem Christmas. So pretty cool. It, it was interesting from that aspect, and just the fact that. Jasmine Jordan, I mean, can you imagine this? Looking through some of these old articles that I'm looking through that were written about her, she she there there's a an article out there about how she initially hated Syracuse University because of a Syracuse.com article that got written about her that kind of just brought pub to the fact that she was going to the school and. Then she she describes how she gets dirty looks, hears whispers, rumors, all that stuff, considered transferring, dropping out. I mean, huh. this is someone who, if you think about it, does not have to go to college, all right? They can do whatever they want with their life. They've got more money than they know what to do with. I mean, Michael Jordan has set up generations upon generations upon generations of wealth, okay? So Jasmine doesn't have to go to college if she doesn't want to, and... She just kind of channeled this whole Jordan mentality where she's focusing on graduating early and, and w was slated to earn her degree after her, her junior year. And just that, to me, kind of showed the level of stardom that Michael Jordan had, right? Yeah. Because this guy was so popular, so famous, that his daughter almost feels this urge to get off campus early because... There's all these looks and, and and thoughts brewing about about her during her time at school. That's the level of Michael Jordan's stardom. Right. It, it's on another level completely. And, you know, it is very easy because, let's face it, I mean, a lot of that was kind of Jordan propaganda. And you're a Bulls guy, so you've always been someone who's probably, I'm sure, favored Jordan over LeBron and kind of those ridiculous debates, at least in my eyes, ridiculous debates. I, I get, I mean, I've watched LeBron all my life and I understand why people respect him and think he's great. And I, and I understand the argument a little bit when people say, I'd rather have him on my team just because he's a physical freak. But Jordan's on a completely different level in my eyes in terms of what he's accomplished and his mental wherewithal. And I mean, this doc 
docu-series, I guess you should say, really did turn into, like, just proof that you can't piss off Jordan. And I know there were some funny tweets, like, in, in order to end COVID-19, let's just tell yeah. <laughs> Jordan that COVID-19 said something bad about him or something. But that is yeah. kind of the defining trait I'll take away. I'd say, overall, I was very pleased with how they did the doc. And I know there was a lot of talk about the timeline going back and forth and so on and so forth, but it turned out great. And to meet the expectations that were very, very high, I mean, ESPN was marketing this thing like it was the Super Bowl, and I'd say it turned out pretty good, and there were some Syracuse ties to it. The Jasmine Jordan stuff is interesting. I didn't really know the full extent of that, and it's a completely different level of stardom. And honestly, a lot of the wealth that Jordan accumulated over the years is partially because of David Falk, and that Syracuse tie was kind of cool to see, and maybe that gave a little boost to the Falk school there at Syracuse. Who knows? I mean, it couldn't hurt for sure. I've always wondered, and especially in this last deal where you saw Syracuse re-up with Nike, I always thought, okay, Syracuse could totally be a Jordan school, right? I mean, yeah. when you think about, okay, fun. you've got the David Falk stuff. You figure that that gets pushed a little bit. Now you've got this whole new wrinkle with Jasmine being an alum, married to or, or going to be married to Rakeem Christmas. I mean, right. It felt like the heat was, not the heat was on, but, I mean, that's a recruiting tool. And then Mello was one of the big Jordan, like, Mello was supposed to be the face of Jordan brand after Jordan retired. And he was for a number of years. And to me, it always, has always kind of struck me as interesting that Syracuse isn't a Jordan brand school. So, I mean... Yeah. I know some of the players, they'll they'll get, like, the Mellow Special Edition Syracuse uh, shoes, but I've always been surprised that Syracuse has not been a Jordan brand school, per se. Uh, one more thing that I want to hit on, and before we, we move on to, to this Syracuse basketball recruiting stuff in a second, but the whole aspect of this flu game, and we finally have the myth debunked here, yes. right? And this is something that I know for me personally, I've always rooted that, okay, that was Jordan's hangover game, all right? Because uh, everyone can relate to that, right? In some <laughs> sure. capacity, like you have to wake up the next morning and do something. And Jordan went out and he scored 38 points. And it kind of brought me back to our conversation with Zach Mahoney. Yeah. <laughs> and how he had his quote unquote uh, flu game, his Irish flu game, as I like to call it. And he goes out and puts up seven touchdowns on his bill. Five throwing, two on the ground, 49 points. Jordan only had 38 points in his in his flu game. Mahoney accounted for 49, so yeah. just going to let that dangle out there for a little bit. Beat out Jim Brown. Now, that, that was a fun chat we had with Zach, and I don't think that was really out there before we talked to him. So if you missed any of that, go back and check it out. Did a two-part chat with him, and... Obviously, it was a lot of fun revealing and looking back at that pick game, which is one of his story memories. But you're right, that that was uh, kind of ran through my mind as well, too, our conversation with Zach when I heard Jordan talking about it. Yeah. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into some basketball recruiting stuff with the class of 2021. Benny Williams, the main focal point, it seems like, for now. But hey, he's going to need some help surrounding him, so we'll talk about that next. You know, Tim, we've all been watching The Last Dance, and guess what? We cannot all be Michael Jordan, but one way that you can maybe get a step closer, get a little extra oomph in your game, you can do it with the help of Built Bar. Built Bar comes in 16 amazing flavors, including the double chocolate mousse, my favorite of the bunch, 
And guess what? I, I feel like when I have a built bar in me, I, I, I'm not gonna say I'm Michael Jordan, but <laughs> I display some Jordan-like tendencies sometimes. Yeah, well, you did hit that one shot to five feet immediately following, right? Which I don't right, think I ever yeah. asked you. Did you make the birdie putt? I did make the birdie putt too. Okay, all right. Well, we closed you kept, it out. Kept it off nicely. I guess. I guess you didn't technically make it because is it raised cups there in Chicago? Raised cups, yeah. Course? But hey, yeah. you know what? We're not we're not stripping my birdie here, okay? No, no. We'll give you the birdie. Powered by Bill Bar. Bill Bar. Yes, and the Bill Bar I mean, bump. You, you really can't say enough about the nutritional value of Bill Bar too. It's 130 calories, gluten free, no preservatives. I know everyone's probably just hearing us rave about these things, and maybe you're contemplating it. Just pick up the phone, go to BuiltBar.com, like, make this happen already. Yeah, you too can also get in on the Built Bar action. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. All right, so we haven't gotten to a lot of basketball recruiting, especially with the way that football's been making a lot of waves on the recruiting trail, but I think this is something that we will definitely do deeper dives as we move into the summer months. But For sure. Benny Williams, certainly the name that everyone is very familiar with at this point in that class of 2021, feels like Syracuse, I'm not going to say has the inside track, but you're feeling good. They're in the top four and, I mean, you're seeing a lot of stuff now out of Georgetown with the whole Mac McClung situation and how he feels like he had to transfer. Yeah, so Georgetown's that's obviously trouble. not a great look for the program. Yeah. I Can we talk about, like, I mean, not to just go off topic here, but it's kind of fun to see how much Georgetown's struggling a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, they are really in, in some hot water there, and it looked like their program was turning around, and it almost feels like there's some underlying stuff there, the way Mac McClung transferred to be one of the top usage guys and all of a sudden want to transfer. But anyway, if you're a Syracuse fan, you're a little upset about where the program is. At least it's not Georgetown. It could be a little Right, worse. exactly. So Benny Williams seemingly is the focal point of this class of 2021. Just looking through on 24-7 at some of the other offers that they have out there, and it's interesting when you look at the breakdown, okay? You've got one point guard, Kennedy Chandler, five-star guy, one of those guys who you have to offer. Feels like a can't-miss guy, definitely yeah. a one-and-done level player, and you've got Dior Johnson, hopefully coming in the year after that. So Kennedy Chandler will probably be gone because he is he's looking to be this one-and-done type of player. When you're as highly rated as he is, top 15 guy in the country, five-star guy. So, we, again, we don't know how serious his interest in Syracuse is, but we know that there's a feeler out there on the Oranges' behalf. Outside of that, everyone else is a three or bigger. And, and yeah. I'm talking about position. They either play small forward or they're bigger. And that tells me a couple things here. One, the Orange, as they should be, is very confident in their backcourt moving forward. Because, listen, you've got two more years of Buddy Beheim, three more years of Joe Girard. Neither you or I expect either of those guys to leave early, whether it's transfer no. or for the NBA. I don't think Buddy's I, transferring. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I can promise you I don't think he that. has a choice. <laughs> um, but when you look at the rest of these targets out here, okay, so couple threes, couple fours, and a, a couple fives. Three of each, okay? 
that shows not necessarily the desperation, but that is the focal point for the size that this team is looking for. And again, we've seen it in this offseason even with the amount of big guys that they've been targeting, whether it's grad transfers, the transfer market, or even getting in on some late action on the recruiting trail as well. And to me, that is exactly what this team needs to do. They have, they cannot swing and miss on these big guys, all right? Because you're no. going to have one of, if not the most formidable backcourts in the country for the next two, three years, right? So yeah. when you've got that in your back pocket, barring injury or, or something crazy happening, when you've got that, you have to you have to surround them with those external pieces. And that is where this is going to be so important because we have seen the orange miss on a lot of bigs, whether it's a short-term solution or maybe even a long-term solution. They've missed on a lot of bigs. They cannot afford to miss on the bigs in this upcoming class. And when you look at some of the names out there, you've got Frank Kepning, who is a, a 6'11 center from Pennsylvania. Mac Etienne's another hot name out there out of Connecticut. Elijah Hutchins Everett is a is a big one, too. And, I mean, even a guy like Arthur Kaluma. I mean, we've seen them kind of in this class not necessarily go out of their comfort zone, but they feel it feels like they're all in. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like they're going to get any of those guys that you just said. No inside intel here, but just kind of tracking their habits. And it feels like a lot of these guys have blown up. Like Mac Etienne is now getting looked at by Kansas, did a virtual call with Kansas, who's actually trying to get him to reclassify, according to Jake Weingarten. And it's a little tougher when you've got Kansas in the fold. Arthur Kaluma, top 40 prospect, who's also got Kansas in the fold, I know, and is probably going to get some more teams here. And you go on and down the list, like, you hit it right on the head. I couldn't agree more. They've got to get a center here. I mean, it's such a weird state of Syracuse basketball recruiting because I feel great about the backcourt, and I think everyone does, especially when you consider Dior is probably going to bring in, whether it's a Chance Westry or a Zion Cruz, probably another guard. I mean, they're tied to J.J. Starling. Like, there's a lot of guards Yeah, in whether that or not Dior actually plays, too. Right. He's going to bring someone else here. This is not going to yeah. be a lost prospect, okay? I will say— There's going to be something else. I do feel like—I mean, the Chance Westry situation is kind of interesting because there were a lot of reports that he was going to commit on the same day, and then he said, oh, I'll wait a little bit because Dior's in the spotlight. All the crystal balls came flooding in that day, and then we haven't really heard much since. So, again, this is just looking at it from an outsider's perspective— Hopefully, he still has orange on his mind, of course, and same with Zion And again, Cruz, those are all 2022 problems. 2022, well. yeah. I, I'm, I'm sidetracking here, but my point here is I feel bad about Syracuse basketball recruiting overall, given how they used to fare compared to what they're doing now. But at the same time, I feel great about the backcourt. So that just shows you how bad the center position has been. And kind of like the way quarterback has been some misses since DeVito, like, we're we're having the same conversations over and over. I mean, we haven't had this podcast for until this year, but you and I have been talking about this for a while where it's like, you've got to get a center and who are the centers in the class? And then, oh, they're in ties with this guy, but now he's got Kansas after him and he's got Kentucky and how are they going to reel him in? So 
To me, I mean, Ashton Smith's a guy that I think they have a good shot at getting who's more of a power forward type but just 6'9". And Samson Johnson's another power forward in this class that I kind of like, 6'10", 200. But those guys aren't ranked on 247sports.com. So I don't know if they're really game changers for you. It's kind of more of the same. And Isaiah Stort probably would have been that game changer that maybe would have set things up, but you can't go back in time now. To me, it's just, A, you got to get Benny Williams in this class, I think, because it feels like I'm, I'm almost telling myself That's that he's guy. coming. Yeah, yeah, he's your guy. He's been your guy. Dior tweeted about him. There's a lot of signs pointing towards him coming, and he'd be a huge ad because I think he could even play as a sophomore with that Dior team and Joe Girard as a senior and I really do feel good about the way things are trending here. It's just the center, man. And who knows how long we're going to have that center talk, but hopefully this 2021 class figures it out. I will say they're definitely targeting center, which is a good sign. It's just a matter of can they reel one in. Right. And, and we've talked about the need for a backup guard too, but I mean, you, you've brought in some guys in the past who can probably fill that role for you. And then again, this transfer market is free flowing at all times. And we will talk about it next so we like to talk about this one-time transfer rule a lot on this podcast and with good reason because again this is something that's going to drastically change the landscape of college sports especially for a big school like Syracuse who again would they're the big fish in this situation all right because you see a lot of these smaller school guys and they want to get to the Power Five, and Donna DeToto wrote a great article on Syracuse.com kind of about the consequences of this one-time transfer proposal and how some coaches, especially at the mid-major level, they don't want to feel like this feeder program for these bigger programs, and I get it. Listen, you and I are both pro player, right? Yeah. We're always in their shoes because, again, they're the ones that go out there on the court, make the plays. They go out there on the gridiron, they make the plays for you. But the more and more that I read into it, I start to shift into the the side of the coach. And yeah, I'm kind of with you. It's gonna be chaos if this happens because there are going to be a lot of crazy changes every single year. And, I mean, just look looking at this year, I mean, there's a new batch of players in the portal every single day. And it's not just your, your run-of-the-mill guy who wasn't getting time. I mean, look at Nogel Eastern, all right? That's a guy out of Purdue, all Big Ten defensive team. I mean, I saw something the other day. Cassius Winston says he was the toughest guy he had to go against. And this wow. is a guy who is one of the more decorated players in Big Ten history. And then we, we've already spoken about Mac McClung. I mean, that was a guy who was going to get a ton of usage next year. Yeah. He's out. Olivier Saar, big name in the ACC, he's gone. It's going to create some chaos. And I don't yeah. know, maybe you root for chaos. Maybe you do. And if, if that's the case, you're going to really enjoy college basketball these next couple of years if this passes. But I am starting to side with the coach because some of these kids are not going to be thrusting themselves into the best situations. It's a very interesting time for college basketball. I feel like we're kind of in this flux period between the name image likeness and obviously the transfer talk here that we're talking about where a lot of things are going to change. And, you know, I 
I was sort of looking at this article made me think of a couple different things as related to that. One is look at what's happening to Wake Forest right now. I know they just had another power forward of a 2021 guy hit the market. Syracuse has not reached out to him, which I was a little surprised about. And it's Trey Marks, I think is his name. And if I missed, messed up his last name, I apologize. But the point holds, he, he is someone who just hit the market because Danny Manning left. Like if there's a coaching change in the future, I mean, it's going to be a mass exodus, right? Because you you don't have to sit out. Like, coaching is so much of why these players go to the school in the first place, and a lot of teams are going to want to upgrade at positions or what on, or so on and so forth. So to me, like, a coaching change, you got to be sure that he's not the right guy in this state of college basketball now because when Danny Manning left – I don't know what the total number is, but Olivier Czar, Jalen Gibson, I mean, it's at least three or four off the top of my head already that have vanished here from the Wake Forest program, almost kind of like Kevin Stallings in Pittsburgh, but obviously that was a little bit different situation. So the coaching changes are going to maybe be less frequent overall, and I do kind of agree with you. I'm starting to side a little bit more with the coaches. There's a great quote in this article on Syracuse.com. I don't want to be the JV program for the Power Five. And we're going to get into this habit of almost a la like professional ranks where a player is going to go to a smaller tier school, a non-Power Five, and there's no shot they're going to stay there because they don't have to sit out. There's a ton of incentive to move up almost like you're moving up from the G League to the NBA level. It's going to be like that at some point. And I've had conversations with some assistants at the college, Division One level, mid-major guys. And, I mean, think about this from, from our perspective, right? Listen, if we're a guy who, okay, let's say we have a great year at, I don't know, pick, pick a small school, Davidson, okay? Say, yeah. say you have a great year at a school like Davidson, all right? And then a school like Syracuse or, or maybe even in-state, maybe a school like NC State or UNC or Duke or Wake Forest comes calling for you. Kids like what sounds good, right? Mm-hmm. It's cool to play on those schools. It's co- cool to have that affiliation with those programs, all right? And sometimes that can all be misleading. And that that could end up being the problem with all of this, and, and it also completely shifts the recruiting landscape as well. There's there's some other great quotes in here. Mike Hart from St. Andrews in Rhode Island. He's a, a basketball coach that he was Bryson Goodine's ba- uh, high school coach. Yeah. He put a great quote in here about how he's basically going to tell his players that, listen, if you're a high school guy and you can go D1, you have to recruit or you have to commit in the fall because – when the transfer market starts to shape up in the spring, who knows how many scholarships are going to be left for you. That team that wanted you at the D1 level, at the high major or or just power five D1 level, they may not want you anymore in the spring. They, yeah. They'll want you in the fall when there is no transfer market, but in the spring, that scholarship's gone. It's going to be a total sweepstakes, and... Kind of how I feel about the name image likeness thing is we could see the rich get a little bit richer here because with the NIL situation, you're maybe a little more inclined to go to a bigger name school because that could bring in more money for your own gain and more money for your name image and likeness. Here, 
it's just going to be tough for these lower-tier mid-majors to keep the players, of course. And then if you're a Duke, let's say, is recruiting as valuable? Like, you don't have to find those under-the-radar guys. I guess Duke doesn't really have to as is, but you're going to have the opportunity now as a big-name school to see a year of a guy playing college basketball. Let's just say... Some kid goes to Georgia Tech, right? Kind of a lower tier school where they are right now, maybe Power 5 standard. Still a good school, though. And they shine at Georgia Tech. Well, Duke's going to have the opportunity to play against that kid. And maybe this is a bad example because it's in conference, but say Kentucky plays against him or they see him a little bit. After a year, they can just say, hey, actually, we're going to offer you now. We were in talks with you in high school a little bit. We wanted to see you more. But now, since you went to Georgia Tech, we feel you're ready. And then he's going to say, oh, gosh, Kentucky, I'll bounce right away and go play for Coach Cal and try to make my way to the NBA. So even a Georgia Tech might get hurt by that. Hopefully Syracuse falls into the category where they should be able to poach some of these players. And you'll probably see more tampering, too, which we kind of know goes on already. I mean, Torian Thompson obviously was a a current example of that Syracuse-wise. And just the way No Gel Eastern went right to Michigan. I mean, you can't tell me Juwan Howard wasn't yeah, Rome wasn't to built him in one day. Before. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So we're going to see more of that where it's a guy hits the market for a day and he's already got a school in mind. And it's a dangerous, slippery slope that I know we're going into. So I guess I'm kind of ready for it. But again, I, I feel like the rich are just going to get a little bit richer in this situation. Yeah, I, I have definitely changed my stance on this. I think unless there is a coach that is fired or retires or leaves for whatever reason, there you should have to sit a year, but it's a black and white waiver situation where if you have to, to transfer yeah. schools because of a coaching situation at your previous school, then so be it. All right? I can live with that. So, that was a good point in the article, too, is – Maybe the NCAA is doing this partially because then they don't have to go through the waivers as much. And I hadn't really thought about that from a time standpoint or just being able to get more concrete black and white answers on the waiver process, which we know has been very up and down. Right. Yeah. They, they, they've caught a lot of backlash for that and rightfully so. But in the end, it's I think it's been for the better of college athletics that we have seen this waiver process play out because now we kind of get a feel for both sides of it where you see a guy like Justin Fields and for some reason he's eligible right away. But then you also see, I don't even know the guy's name, but there, there was a guy who transferred, I believe to Illinois, a football player. Oh yeah. Cause his, that. his, I believe his mother was really sick and boom, no waiver because yeah. I mean, the NCAA needs to put its foot down. There needs to be a black and white situation and we just don't have that right now. So All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow's show, we will do a lot more Syracuse-related stuff on the show, I promise. We'll we'll do some more recruiting (laughs) stuff, both on the football and basketball side. I'm locked on Syracuse. We'll talk Syracuse. (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, this was some important stuff that I think we we need to dive into and definitely impact Syracuse, especially when you look at it with Alan Griffin and all that stuff. So that's on tomorrow's show. Be sure to check out the Locked On ACC podcast when you're done with this one. We will talk to you tomorrow.